Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. So I am so honored to be in the house of the Lord today. Man, I love, I love being a part of what the Lord is doing in Rochester, in this region, uh, in the great state of New York. How many are excited about what God is doing through his people? Come on. How many believe Jesus? what Jesus said when he said, the gates of hell will not prevail, but he's going to build his church, right? And so we're going to keep moving forward in what the Lord calls us to do. I'm excited to preach to you this morning, and uh, I'm going to just jump right into it. So if you have your Bibles or your iPads, iPhones, Androids, whatever that may be, uh, we're going to also have the scriptures on the screen here in just a minute, Um, but I would like you to uh, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to read out of the message translation to start. I like to read the scripture in different translations. Uh, The translator of the message is uh, a guy named Eugene Peterson, who has gone home to be with the Lord, but he was a brilliant scholar. So sometimes it's good to read from NASB and, uh, you know, translations that are really close to the literal, and there's different translations, word for word, thought for thought, Uh, but it's good to read in contemporary translations, sometimes and to compare them uh, as we study, you know, like it, when you, we study the word, you read commentaries and things like that. And it would be crazy for us not to glean from scholars and, um, and teachers that have gone on before us, church fathers. Can you say amen? amen? And so we like to search the scriptures diligently. Now, this is the main text. And then we're going to jump to a couple other scriptures in a moment. But if I were to title the message this morning, I would t- entitle it, uh, God Restoring Your Passion. And, uh, and how many know sometimes we lose heart, right? The Bible says, do not lose heart. Uh, don't quit while doing good. For in due season, you'll reap if you faint not. And sometimes we lose heart. And, and I want to just encourage you today. I believe I almost preached this at the beginning of the year because I feel like this is a year where God was going to give us a fresh fire. Uh, and, and so we could run after what he's called us to do. So you all ready for this? All right, let's get right into it. Um, Philippians chapter 2, and we'll start uh, right at the the beginning of the chapter. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other, love each other, be deep-spirited friends. Can you say amen? Amen. Uh, I read that first service, and I don't know about you, but I was cut to the heart. Um, That's some profound stuff right there. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Isn't that good? Think of yourselves the way Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantage of that status, no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of his deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. 
Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Verses 9 through 11. Because of that obedience, God lifted him up. God exalted him and honored him far above anyone or anything ever. So all created beings in heaven and in earth, even those long dead and buried, will bow in worship before this Jesus Christ and call out in praise that he is the master of all, the Lord of all, to the glorious honor of God the Father. Can you say amen? Amen. And the two verses here we're going to focus on, what I'm getting at, friends, is that you should simply keep on doing what you've done from the beginning. When I was living among you, you lived in response, responsive obedience. Now that I'm separated from you, keep it up. Better yet, redouble your efforts. Look at this. Be energetic in your life of salvation, reverent and sensitive before God. That energy is God's energy an energy deep within you, God himself willing and working at what will give him the most pleasure. Amen. Pray with me real quick, would you? Father, thank you for uh, the Bills winning. Hallelujah yesterday. Is anyone excited about that? It's like all of a sudden no one's a Bills fan. I'm going to interrupt my own prayer right now and just rebuke you for that. Listen, I was a Bronco fan, and then the Raiders are moving to Vegas, and now I came, the, God, the, Lord, the Lord God called me here, so now we are supporting Bills fans, and we're saying, go Bills, come on somebody, so let's do that again. Lord, thank you the Bills won yesterday. We won't talk about the Browns going to the bowl. Is that a metaphor? Okay, sorry. Let's pray. Now we really need to pray. Can I get the intercessors to back me up right now? Father, thank you that we can have fun in church. And we thank you for your joy. Uh, We thank you for this wonderful time in your presence. I thank you for your people, Lord. I thank you for every person in this room. I pray, Lord, that you would just uh, stir their hearts. I pray, God, that we would be released um, as a people, individually and corporately, in what you have called us to do. Father, I thank you for the truth that comes from your word. I pray, God, that whatever has held us back from being passionate about the things you've called us to do, whatever that obstacle is, it would be broken today. And we could run the race that you set before us with endurance. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Now, would you just give God one more clap and shout? Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. So, you know, I, uh, I, I, I do like football. I'm, I, I'm not as passionate about it as I used to be. Uh, I've learned not to get emotionally invested in football because then when your team stinks, then you like, you know, you're sad. And like, who wants to be like that, right? I mean, the same thing with politics. You get too emotionally invested in politics, you're going to be let down one way or another. Can you say amen? amen. Um, and, and, but I am passionate about a lot of things. And I want to talk to you about uh, the, the passions uh, that are in our hearts. And how many know that there are healthy passions and desires, and then there are unhealthy passions and desires, 
And I think sometimes we have a little bit of uh, turmoil or confusion or wrestling, if you will, about these things. I think sometimes even the way we pray. And I want to talk about this. Um, You know, my wife and I have become passionate about and begin to love the things that we love together. Like there's things that I didn't really like. And after almost 22 years of marriage, like I love things that she loves. Like I used to not be passionate about shopping but when you hang out with this beautiful, bougie girl right here, you'll learn that, like, you know, like, it's, it's a privilege to shop, right? Come on, ladies. Any ladies in the house that like to shop? Come on, somebody. Um, if you're watching online, you like to shop. Just put the name of your favorite purse right there in the comment section. Okay. So I remember, though, like, learning, like, okay, I get this. Like, you know, she's like, oh, my God. That's all I hear sometimes when she's talking about shopping. This person, Louis Vuitton. Michael Kors. You know. But I've learned to love what she loves. And we'll go shop. And she's like, oh, my God, it's 70% off. And I'm like, yeah, it's 70% off. I want that jacket. And I've learned that I've come under the deception that it's actually 70% off. I used to know that they mark it up, then mark it down. I used to tell her that. It's not 70% off, honey. But I've... Just learn to love what she loves. How many know that there are passion? How many people in here, you have a passion for prayer? And you know, you get around people that have a passion for prayer, and it's like you just want to pray, man. And there's something, or you have a passion for worship. Come on, who in this church has a passion for worship? And some of you, like, you know, you sing or you play an instrument. Some of you make a joyful noise, which that's cool too. I contrasted those things. Some of you want to play the tambourine, the shofar, but nope, we don't allow those in here. <laughs> Distractions. But how many know there are, there are things that were just, like, it could be business. Like, there are people here that are passionate for, like, or maybe you feel like God has called you to influence communities. Maybe he's called you to the inner city and you want to love broken people. Or maybe you have a passion to, for the homeless, you know, like your heart just bends for, for people that are, that are broken. And there's this compassion that flows through you. Uh, maybe you have a passion for your career. And sometimes in Christianity, we get confused and we think that, oh, that's not godly. You know, some of those things might not be, of course, you know, having compassion on people. But like, well, my career, you know, I just I got to put it on the back burner and I got to I got to follow Jesus. Well, what if Jesus is leading you to be passionate about your career? And then how do we how do we deal with these things in our hearts? Because a lot of time now, listen, I'm going to keep it real. First of all, I will say this. I've been on a diet. I know you can tell. Right. Okay, I'm quitting the diet today. I, I knew it. My scale is not making any sense. It's broke because it's just, it's really slow. Like, it should be faster than this. Maybe it's because my wife doesn't want me to lose weight because I usually lose weight fast, and she keeps offering me bread when we go to a restaurant, sabotaging my diet. My gym clothes or my sweats say I look great. My bathing suit is like, whoa, bro, you tripping. But my, my sweats, they'd be like, you look good, son. I'm on a diet, but I'm passionate for food. Now, listen, you might think that's ungodly, but the Bible says he satisfies your mouth with good things, Psalm 103.5, in the King James Version. (laughs) How many are passionate about food? How many love to cook? Come on, somebody. You know, there's moments in life, though, where you're like, it's like your passion lines up with what you're experiencing. You're like, ooh, glory. When I first met my mother-in-law, we're praying in a circle. Because she's a prayer warrior. She has passion for prayer. And 
She goes, we're praying. This is early on. I was raised Catholic, right? So I'm 17. I get saved. I'm about 19 years old. We're praying. She goes, ooh, glory. And I was like, what is that? Baptocostal? And I learned that she does that sometimes, like when the spirit's moving, she's like, ooh, glory. Like you might have heard it today, Sarah singing. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot the words. And you hear her up here, ooh, glory. How many know that there are moments in life, though, where your passion lines up with your experience? Ooh, glory. And I think, you know, I, I, I'm not going to dive too deep into this, but I think there are levels of ooh, glory. I think that there's like, you know, the nice low levels, level one's just like, ooh, glory, you know. There's like level four or maybe even five. Maybe there's ones we haven't discovered yet. Maybe in heaven all the levels of ooh, glory will be revealed to us all at once, and then we'll fall on our face and worship Jesus. Ooh, glory. But I think, for example, a young couple that's engaged and they're waiting and they're living in purity, their honeymoon night, they're like, that's like level maybe five, ooh, glory, 4.9999. I know what's for me. Ooh, glory. And I, I can't even demonstrate or express to you what level five is. You know, like, ooh, glory. I mean, can you imagine? You know, there's, there's times I've ate food and it's like, ooh, glory. There was this time, I got to tell the story real quick. I was eating a pork belly chile verde like breakfast over chips and potatoes and it was so delicious gloria a dios and it was like perfectly poached eggs with this pork belly chile verde perfect amount of spice and i was un i was like undone by this food <laughs> we're in a restaurant my wife and i and we know the chef Matter of fact, I bragged about his restaurant, and he shared it on Facebook. And every time we would go to this restaurant in Vegas, he, like, gives us, like, 15% off and free stuff. It was such a blessing. I'm like, I'm going to do that more often. <laughs> Start hitting up some restaurants here in Rochester. Come on, somebody. So I'm, like, undone. I'm like, this is so good, Rochelle. She's like, calm down, baby. I was like, ooh, glory, this food is good. He satisfies my mouth with good things. You know, I'm, like, telling the guy, like, you know, a couple tables over, I'm like, bro, you got to try this. And I'm like telling people, everyone, you got to go try. I told all my spiritual sons, I'm like, I'm discipling you, right? You, like you posture your heart towards me as a father. Okay, son, go to this restaurant and try this dish. Now. It's a mandate from God. It was like the gospel, right? But there, how many know that there are, there are passions? And God, you know, like God gives us things. And sometimes we're like, oh, that's just, that's carnal. No, man, God made our senses and gave us the ability to enjoy food. You think about it, though. Sometimes we live our lives in this thing like, well, I'm enjoying this, so it must not be God. What? Like pleasure is not from God. Now, pleasure unrestrained Outside of covenant, like in the covenant of a marriage, right? There's some pleasures that belong in the covenant of marriage. Can I hear you say amen? amen? But pleasure in and of itself is not bad. And sometimes we think that there are passions and desires within us. There might be some that need to die, right? Like my desire to eat pork belly chili verde every morning, that needs to die. And my diet needs to die too sometimes, but... But there are desires within us, and there might be things that are like, no, that's not from God. But then there are things I think sometimes we are our own worst dream killer. Because we think that, well, the Bible says the heart is wicked, and it's deceitful above all things who can know. How many know Jesus talked about that, right? 
But we got to read it in context. Who is he talking to? And is that the case for you and I right now? Now, I want to take you to a couple of verses real quick because we we're going to talk about this. And it's going to set you free. Because the Bible is clear about like the, the redemption that has taken place. I think sometimes if we belittle the, the vastness and the reality of our redemption and what Jesus accomplished, we end up being our own worst dream killer and we come against the desires that God actually put on our heart. And we think that it's more holy to be a pastor versus a, a, a CEO of a company. But if God's called you to be a CEO of a company, then it's more holy to do what he created you to do and not put yourself in a box called ministry. Because you can be a pastor as a CEO, and you don't have to have a pulpit or a title to be a pastor, but rather you have a function. And so the, in the same way, there are God-given passions, desires, and things that he branded on the inside of our heart. And sometimes we're just committing, if I could say it this way, I don't mean light to make light of this, but it's like we're committing spiritual suicide. We're putting to death the things that God put within us, and then we wonder why we struggle in life. And we wonder why we're confused and we don't know what God's called us to do because everything we've been told is like, this is holy, this is not holy. But what if the, the desire you have to get educated and go after your career, whatever it is, what if God put that there? What if that's his call? Now, let's jump to Ezekiel 36. And we're gonna, I'm going to take you to a couple different scriptures real quick. And it's going to be uh, up here. And we start at verse 24. This is so powerful. Now, this is what... God says he's going to do in the new covenant, which how many know that's Jesus, right? Now, look at, look at, this is so powerful. For here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you out of these countries and gather you from all over because God's people were scattered. He said, I'm going to bring you back to your own land. I'm going to pour water over you and scrub you clean. I prophesy that over my children when they don't want to take a shower. Amen. <laughs> here's what he says. I'm going to give you a new heart. Say new heart. I'm going to put a new spirit within you. Say new spirit. spirit. Now listen, if you're born again, you have a new heart. Your heart is no longer wicked and deceitful above all things. That doesn't mean that we can trust our heart absolutely. We have to rely on the Holy Spirit. We have to, I mean, even the ability to hear God is refined in healthy relationships and community. But you have a new heart. Which means there are things in your heart God put there. And so some of the things you are passionate about, God put there. Now look, at this is what it says. This is so profound. He says, I'm going to put a new spirit within you. In other words, I'm going to give you uh, energy, power, and being to accomplish what I want you to accomplish. This is a promise of the new covenant. I'm going to remove the stone heart from your body and replace it with a heart that is, look, what does it say? God willed not self-willed. In other words, there are, there's a willingness within the core of our being that God put there because what Jesus has done and we receive the work of redemption and salvation, we receive the cleansing, the, the blood of Jesus and, and, and he fills our heart and he, we're, our spirit is made alive unto God and now there's something within us that actually desires to go after God. Now look what he says. This is powerful. I'm going to put my spirit within you and make it possible for you to do what I tell you and live by my commands. In other words, check this out. In the old covenant, it was enforced obedience. Sometimes we still live there. 
I have to obey God. God, forgive me. I'm just a loser, and I'm just I'm I'm running from you all the time, and I'm just always betraying you. And but wait a minute, that could happen, but that's enforced obedience. But if we understand what God has done deep within us, and we believe and trust that Jesus's work was very profound for the entire cosmos, and we receive that now, it's empowered obedience. In other words, God tells you to do something. You're like, hey, I was going to do that anyways. It's like, yeah, because I put that in your heart. Grace empowers you to do what you're created to do. Grace does not negate responsibility. It empowers it. In other words, grace is not just something where we can just do whatever you want to do. No, now we are been, we've been given the spirit of God, and now we have power to do what God wants us to do. Can you say amen? He says, you'll be my people, and I'll be your God. He said, I'm going to bring you back. Uh, to the land I gave your ancestors. Now jump to Jeremiah 31. Y'all enjoying this so far? Jeremiah 31, the promise of the new covenant. And walk with me because we're going to talk about this. It's so important to realize that there are things deep within us embedded intrinsically in our being. God put there and we need to start awakening and make sure that these passions and these things or even our own way of thinking have not killed the dreams that God put within us. This is what it says in Jeremiah 31. He says, that's right. The time is coming when I will make a brand new covenant with the house of Israel and Judah. It will not be a repeat covenant I will make with their ancestors when I took their hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant even though I did my part as as their master, God's decree. Okay, look at verse 33 and 34. This is the brand new covenant that I'll make with Israel when the time comes. I will put my law within them. And I'll write it on their hearts. In other words, hearing God, obeying God, it's not outside of us. God brands it within our hearts. He makes us what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, what? A couple things were made new. That's not what the Bible says. Well, just your spirit was made new. No, all things have been made new. Even your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Now, you've been made new. He gives us, it says, we have the mind of Christ. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Even the way you think is made new. When we receive the work of our salvation, this is why it says, what the scripture we read in Philippians, like with fear and trembling, receive the work of your salvation, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Now look, let's go on. It says, I'm going to write the law in their hearts. I'll be their God and they'll be my people. They'll no longer go around setting up schools to teach uh, others about God. They'll know me firsthand, the dull, the bright, the smart, and the slow. I'll wipe the slate clean for each of them. I'll forget they ever sinned God's decree. Isn't that beautiful? He just wipes away our sin. Now look at in uh, real quick, Hebrews 10:16, where the author of Hebrews is quoting Jeremiah 31, talking about this new covenant. Here's what he says in verse 16. Afterwards, I will give them this covenant. I will embed my laws into their hearts and fasten my word to their thoughts. Now, what if we just believe what the scripture says here? What if we just trusted in Jesus that what he's done, that there are actual things in our hearts that God put there. Like you might have a passion for music. You might have a passion, and it, that doesn't necessarily mean just worship. You might have a passion for a career. You might have a passion for politics. Good luck with that one. You might have a, 
I mean, that's befitting for today's day, right? Politics. Blech. Anyways, you might have a passion for to see unity in the body of Christ. Guess who put that there? God. You might have a passion for your career. Oh, but I, I just got to focus on the Lord. No. What if that is the Lord? So you've got to ask, Holy Spirit, what are the passions and desires you put within my heart? And you have to ask him sometimes, this is why the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12, the word of God divides asunder and cuts between the soul and the spirit. Like in other words, in our being, the word of God, the light of his word shows us what is of him within our spirit, soul, and body and what's not of him within our spirit, soul, and body. There are things within your thoughts that maybe the word needs to come in and the light of God needs to come in and, and we need to be free. But that doesn't mean that every thought you think is not of God because you're a wretched sinner. No, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says you have been made new. You're no longer sinners. You are called saints. Come on. You are beloved sons and daughters. And if we start believing who we are and who God says we are, then we start walking in that way, and we walk in an authority where we have a confidence, and then we begin to dream with God, and then we realize, wait a minute, I've been killing the dreams that God put in my heart. No wonder I'm wrestling with this thing. I still think that the end all is to, to be on some sort of platform with the title called pastor, but what if God's calling me to go into different realms and pastor people and still be plugged into a local church, but for some reason we limit our own calling and destiny and we kill our own passions and dreams, and sometimes they're the ones that God put there. Amen. I know I'm preaching way better than you responded, but maybe by the end of this, we can hang out. Now look, Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. I'm a passionate person, <laughs> obviously. I'm loud sometimes, I'm loud, and so I just want you to be loud with me. Can we be friends? Yeah. Be loud with me, say amen. Amen. Look at this. This is so profound. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For it is God working in you, giving you the desire. He's giving you the desire. Say the desire. And the power. Say power. That's ability to do what pleases him. So wait a minute. God actually gives us desires and the ability to do what pleases him? Wow. It's embedded in our hearts. So now we can be free from the idea that it's hard to please God. Let me just say something on this too. If we are striving to please God without first knowing that we're actually pleased with him, we will never please him. I'm going to say that again. If we are striving to please God without knowing that we're already pleasing to him as a son or as a daughter, we will never please him. As a father, if my kids act like orphans, that doesn't please me. But if they know that they're loved by me, my kids know that they're a Wexler, they know that they are my son, my daughter, that's pleasing to me when they let me love them. Now, here's what Jesus in his ministry, this is amazing. Before Jesus did any ministry at all, the father speaks over him, says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus's ministry started with pleasing the Father. Why is it that our ministries sometimes are founded on, I hope I can please God? Now, Paul did say, it is my aim to please him. But we cannot please God if we don't know we're already pleasing to him as a son and a daughter. 
It's so liberating because now, now we can be free. I'm like, all right, there's things he put in me, and, and these are things that are going to please him. And guess what? He empowers us. It's not enforced obedience. It's empowered obedience. There's a huge lie that says it's hard to be a Christian. I, can I just squash that right now? While I'm preaching real good, I'm just going to keep going. So the, the Bible says this, that he has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Well, you don't know the struggle. I know the struggle. And I know the struggle ends when we yield to him. I know the struggle ends when we start believing the stuff that I'm telling you right now. And then we realize, wait a minute, the things that I've been doing, I've been praying, not my will, but thine. That was one prayer in the life of Jesus. It does not apply to every human being. There are sometimes we need to pray that. But in the life of Jesus, fully man and fully God, that was his humanity trying to get out of the cross. I mean, have you ever faced that kind of thing? No. Taking on the sin of the world? Lord, not my Father, not my will but thine. So we have separated our will from God's will. Well, I just read a scripture that says that there's God's will is actually embedded in your heart. Not always. Now, we don't always want to do what the Lord wants us to do. Can you say amen? Sometimes we need a little smacking. Like, what are you doing? Stop it. Right? But at the heart of a believer, God's working in there. God's doing things in there. And he's showing, oh, that passion you have, I put that there. Let me breathe on it. So don't be your own worst dream killer with bad theology. If you're a believer, God's working in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. He's working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So when we start praying, you know, not my will but thine, or we, we, have, to, we have to say, wait a minute, is that my prayer right now? Because there's sometimes I think our will is aligned with God's will. Can you say amen? You know, like the desire to be responsible in life. Yeah, that's God's will. The Bible says find out what the will of the Lord is and then do it. The will of the Lord is something you do. It's not something you're in or out of. I don't think I've found a verse yet that says be in the will of God or out of the will of God. It's something you find out and you do. And sometimes it's just doing the right thing. Not some tightrope. I got to do God's will. I didn't turn left. Dang it. And then we beat ourselves up because we didn't do exactly what the Lord told us to do. No, he's speaking to your heart. Oh, yeah, but I, I just, I don't know if I should further my education because I, my career is just a distraction from my calling. What if God's calling is your career? Just a thought. Well, I, I don't want to make too much money because the God of mammon and, you know, what if you're anointed to make money and by you thinking that, oh, this is not God's desire, Wait, what if he put it there? And by us killing those desires that maybe God put there, we're actually hindering an anointing and a blessing for the kingdom of God to be advanced because less money will be made in the earth and go to where God wants it to go to. All right, I'm so glad y'all are awake today. I want you to be encouraged, though. You have a new heart. You have a new spirit. Don't kill the dreams that God put in your heart. And allow God to show you, God, what have you put there so that I can come fully alive? This is what John Eldred said. I'm going to be closing here in just a second. John Eldred said this. He says, don't ask what the world needs. That's a great question now. What does the world need? The world needs a lot of things. The world needs Jesus. So does the church. What does the world need? Stop asking that question. Ask what makes you come fully alive. Well, why? 
Because John Eldridge says this, the world needs you fully alive. One of the early church fathers says the glory of God is man fully alive. Well, I just want to shine for Jesus. Then remember what he did when he gave you a new heart, new spirit, and he put his desire and the ability to please him within you. He's written his law on your heart. Now, let me just read in closing the next couple verses. Live a cheerful life without complaining or division among yourselves. Verse 15, for then you will be seen as innocent, faultless, and pure children of God, even though you live in the midst of a brutal and perverse culture. How many could say that's befitting for our time right now? For you will appear among them as shining lights in the universe, offering them the words of eternal life. Why does he say that right after that? Because it's like, this is the power of salvation. This is the energy, the grace that God has given you. And you will shine when you realize that God is working in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And he gives you desires so you can please him. So some of the things that are in us, they're to please the Lord. Can you say amen? amen. I want to pray for you and we're going to dismiss you. I want to, I want to pray that if there are things that have been an obstacle for you to be released in your God-given gifts and calling. See, here's the, here's the, the trick, or here's the, the, the important thing. Sometimes we don't know what we're called to do. Well, let me ask you this. One of the first indicators is what are you most passionate about? That might be what you're called to do. That might be what you're called to do. What is the passion that God put in there? Is it youth ministry? Is it loving communities? Is it unity in the body of Christ? Is it prayer? Is it career? Is it a job? Is it like, what is, what is the passion? Is it hosting fellowship? Is it like, you know, being hospitable? There's so many passions. And how many know there's not just one? But ask the question, Holy Spirit, have I put to death some of the desires you put in my heart? Has religion robbed the party of enjoying life and come fully alive, fully alive in my destiny and calling. Have I allowed something to, to, to do that? And so I want to ask you right now, just pray with me. Lift your hands. Come on, can we thank God? And I, I just pray right now, if you've been held back by any of these lies, no, I declare over you, you have a new heart. God put a new spirit within you. And God is giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So I call forth the holy passions and desires that he put in you. I call forth even a hopelessness of past dreams, dreams that God put there. Or, or maybe you feel like I'm not called anymore. Listen, the Bible says that the calling and the gifts of God are irrevocable. They're without repentance. You are still called. And there's a passion and there's a dream. There's a hope that God is resurrecting. And so I pray right now for resurrection of dreams, Lord. You've called us to be dreamers. You've called, your old men will dream dreams. Dreams. Come on, your young men will see visions. Lord, we thank you, sons and daughters. We're going to prophesy. We're going to see. And Father, I thank you that this year we will not allow circumstance or what's going on in the world to nullify or to uh, somehow freeze up the passions that you put within us. We're ready to run the race with endurance because you have called us to come fully alive.
And so I break every chain over every mind and heart. God, thank you that now we can discern according to your word and by your spirit what are the passions that are of you and what are the passions that are not of you. And the ones you put there, may they come forth and may we walk in them courageously. May we live joyfully and on fire for the things you created us for. We want to soar. We don't want to just fumble around like chickens. We are like eagles, Lord. We want to mount up with wings like eagles. So we say yes to dreaming with you. Dream on. Dream again, saints. Come alive in what God has called you to do. I bless you in Jesus' name. Would you give God a shout of praise? Come on, somebody. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.